Hey, it's MBS here, and welcome to all the new listeners who are checking out this podcast because it's the case study in my new book, How to Begin. So what's your relationship with ambition? I mean, who do you want to be? Actually, scrap that. That question really doesn't work for me. How about what parts of you now do you want to grow and amplify and burnish? And what does success look like for you? How is that changed and evolved over the years? And now, and this is kind of the kicker, what's your relationship with perfectionism? I mean, it's such a tricky dance for someone who wants to go somewhere and do something that matters and holding a standard, it has to be perfect. That can in fact reduce you and shrink you and keep you playing small. Welcome to Two Pages with MBS. This is the podcast where brilliant people read the best two pages from a favorite book, a book that has moved them, a book that has shaped them. And my guest today is Kate Barado. She is the Vice President of Leadership Development at Meta. Yeah, that's the company formerly known as Facebook, which you've undoubtedly heard of. Now, when we were talking off mic, I heard Kate refer to herself as a lifelong learner. And I'm always curious to know when and where that seed gets planted. Was there a role model? You know, um, I've been so fortunate in my life to be surrounded by people who are curious. My, my grandmother comes to mind, though. I mean, I actually think we're all born designed to continually learn. And sometimes life just chips away at that and takes away our curiosity or our capacity to learn. But um but it doesn't have to. I think we're just wired that way. But I, when you ask me that question, I do think of my grandmother. I remember being at a uh, Berardo Chiappino Sunday. We used to get together with my family um, on the Italian side. And she. I remember her saying to me one day, she just said, Kate, to be interesting, be interested. And it just, it, 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 and it felt very true, right? Like both to be interesting as a person, but like to be interesting in life, be interested in life. And that fosters this curiosity that just makes you want to learn about anything and everything. And I think I've carried that with me in my life. Now, in addition to being the VP of leadership at Meta, Kate's a mother, and her husband's a firefighter who routinely saves California from the terrible wildfires. In other words, it's a full life. So how do you stop, you know, all that, he says, gesturing at life. How do you stop that from extinguishing the spark? You know, I am almost like I would say spiritually an engineer in the way that I think about things. So I have a lot of practices at the end of every day. I literally write down, I've created a leadership planner that asks me, what am I grateful for? What do I want to celebrate? And what have I learned? And so I find small mechanisms can be just helpful in bringing learning or continuing to bring learning front and center for us. Mm, you know, I hear about people with practices like that. And honestly, I just notice my very, very patchy attempts to do the same. And I always wonder, do they survive things like, say, a global pandemic? So I would say there was a period during COVID where I was just in a survival mode and I, I wasn't learning as much, or I certainly wasn't being reflective about the learning that was in front of me. I was more like, let's try and get through the day. <laughs> and um, so I think there's that need too, just to notice when the quality of your learning is starting to diminish and then 
um, pivoting. Um, and, but I, you know, I go back to my grandmother, learning's all around us. It's just a choice of whether you notice, the choice of whether you, you choose to sort of mine what's in front of you. Um, so with the mindset and then with some of those practices, it becomes um, a very uh, virtuous sort of flywheel um, that I appreciate. I love that this starts with noticing. You know, it's the same way that meditation starts with stopping and taking a single conscious breath. Curiosity and learning starts by stopping and noticing. And speaking of which, as an aside, um, there's a great newsletter I subscribe to called The Art of Noticing by a guy called Rob Walker. So you might be interested in that. So I asked Kate what book she chose to read for us today. I chose Bird by Bird by Anne mm. Lamott. And oh, it so is good. not a book about leadership. It is not a book. It's actually technically a book about writing. But yeah. as Anne so brilliantly put, it's also a book about life in general. <laughs> and I, and exactly. I like looking to sources that aren't your maybe traditional ones for lessons on yeah. leadership and living. It, it is one of the great tomes on, on how to write a book, along with like Stephen King's novel of a book called, I think, How to Write. Um, you know, if you're recommending three books, those two are going to be two of the three almost every time. Um, yeah. How did you come across it? When did it come into your life? You know, um, that is a really good question. I feel like Anne has been part of my life for at least a decade. I say it like I know her and we're friends. We're not. I wish we were. Um, but um, I remember seeing her at a conference where mm. she just she spoke and she spoke with such grounded truth and and liberation she wasn't afraid to say anything which is part of her delight and then i noticed i kept always coming back like one of my favorite quotes by Anne, and i don't know if it's from a book is or from a speech or where where this brilliant little nugget came from but you know she said the the mind is like a dangerous neighborhood you should never go there alone <laughs> and so I feel like that's quintessential Anne Lamott. Like she'll just yeah. she'll just drop these truth nuggets that kind of stick with you. And so somewhere in that process, I was like, I need to learn more about this woman. Mm. And if she's done writings, like I, 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 I'll take the nuggets, but I'm ready for the full meal. And so yeah. Bird by Bird was the first book I think from her that I purchased. Yeah, it 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 is the gateway drug to Anne Lamott. <laughs> I think Bird by Bird. <laughs> um, I don't and, usually push drugs, but this is a good gateway drug. <laughs> and she's and and you know she's she's got this spiritual background. She's got a background of addiction and and a hard life, and um, somehow she combines that in a way that feels um, generous and authentic, rather than sometimes these things can feel a bit manipulated. Look at my struggles and I overcame them, and I'm wonderful, and you can be wonderful too. But you never get that with her, and I love that about her. Yeah, it's a really good point. She doesn't take us on the on a typical hero's journey where everything's clean right. and turned right. at the end necessarily. She's still in the struggle <laughs> right. in many ways, in a in a beautiful right. way, and so and yeah. it invites us to be in that same place too. She reminds me a little bit in that way of uh, Pema Chodron as well, who has this kind of spiritual grounding, but also has a kind of messy life around that, um, mm -hmm. and um, tells tells it straight. How did you pick the two pages? Because there's so much in that book that is great. I, you know, it's ironic as we're talking. So the the um, the two pages that I chose come from a chapter called Perfectionism. And so mm -hmm. here, as we talk about how brilliant she is about not trying to smooth everything 
and say, yeah. you know, give us the Hollywood ending, um, but take us through, you see her living this work. And this idea of perfectionism, I think, is certainly my work on a lot of regards. So this chapter, like so many of Anne's spoke to me, but this particular one, maybe also connected to what we were talking about in this particular time where life is challenging us to figure right. out who we are, how we want to show up, how messy life can be and still be good. Um, this chapter, I think, really resonated with me. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's been a while since I've read it, so I'm excited to hear it. So, Kate, over to you, reading from Annie Lamott's classic book, Bird by Bird. Perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor, the enemy of the people. It will keep you cramped and insane your whole life, and it is the main obstacle be between you and a shitty first draft. I think perfectionism is based on the obsessive belief that if you run carefully enough, hitting each stepping stone just right, you won't have to die. The truth is you will die anyway, and that a lot of people who aren't even looking at their feet are going to do a lot better than you and have a lot more fun while they're doing it. Besides, perfectionism will ruin your writing, blocking inventiveness and playfulness and life forces. These are words we are allowed to use in California. <laughs> perfectionism means that you try desperately not to leave so much mess to clean up, but clutter and mess show us that life is being lived. Clutter is wonderfully fertile ground. You can still discover new treasures under all those piles, clean things up, edit things out, fix things, get a grip. Tidiness suggests that something is as good as it's going to get. Tidiness makes me think of held breath, of suspended animation, while writing needs to breathe and move. When I was 21, I had my tonsils removed. I was one of those people who got strep throat every few minutes, and my doctor finally decided that I need to have my tonsils taken out. For the entire week afterwards, swallowing hurt so much that I could barely open my mouth for a straw. I had a prescription for painkillers, though. And when they ran out, but the pain hadn't, I called the nurse and said that she would really need to send another prescription over and maybe a little mixed grill of drugs because I was feeling somewhat anxious, <laughs> but she wouldn't. <laughs> I asked to speak to her supervisor. She told me her supervisor was at lunch and that I needed to buy some gum of all things and chew it vigorously. The thought of which made my, me clutch at my throat. She explained that when we have a wound in our body, the nearby muscles cramp around it to protect it from any more violation and from infection and that I would need to use these muscles if I wanted them to relax again. So finally, my best friend, Pammy, went out and bought me some gum, and I began to chew it with great hostility and skepticism. The first bites caused a ripping sensation in the back of my throat, but within minutes, all the pain was gone permanently. I think that something similar happens with our psychic muscles. They cramp around our wounds, the pain from our childhood, the losses and disappointments of adulthood, the humiliation suffered in both to keep us from getting hurt in the same place again, to keep foreign substances out. So those wounds never have a chance to heal. Perfectionism is our way. Is perfectionism, perfectionism is one way our muscles cramp. In some cases, we don't even know that the wounds and the cramping are there, but both limit us. They keep us moving and writing in tight, worried ways. That's so good, isn't it? Wow. What is it that rings true in that passage for you, Kate? <laughs> so much. So as I'm reading it and I stumble on the words, I'm like, Michael, can we rewind? Can we do it? Can I get it right? Can I get it perfect? Um, oh, yeah, exactly. We're going to keep the stumble in just so <laughs> just we can true. celebrate a lack of perfectionism. So thank you for thank you. the meta thank message that. that's here. <laughs> well, but I, I, you know, I say that in jest, but I think what I resonate here with is 
is the what she invites in that is that exploration of what am I what am I protecting by trying mm. to be perfect with everything? And yeah. I think for many of us too, there's there's chapters, there's bright sides and shadow sides to almost all elements. So I do have a, a strong perfectionism streak. I'm sure it's contributed very powerfully to where I am now because I'm right. I've hustled, I'm a go-getter, I wanted to get it right. And that has right. fueled a lot of my life. Yep. But I, I also I think you I acknowledge yeah. that. <laughs> I hear you, I see you. <laughs> yes, but yeah. I, I don't know if you feel the same, but there also becomes a point where you realize the strength that has propelled you is now starting mm -hmm. to hold you back. Right. And so that's this is where I when you hit when I hit on that chapter, I was like, ooh. Ooh, Kate, you gotta you gotta <laughs> sit with this one, <laughs> right? And no. and then figure out the wound and say, is the, is there a wound still there? And what's my chewing gum? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's gonna just release that and allow me to be perfect and be messy and um, imperfect. Did I say perfect? You did <laughs> I, would, say perfect. I would love to allow myself to be perfect. <laughs> just not going to happen. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to hack the system where I can be messy yet perfect at the same time. Yes. <laughs> but there is, isn't there a song that talks about all your like perfect imperfections? It's There um, is. Yes. I'm not sure who that is. It sounds like uh, Leonard Cohen perhaps, but uh, but maybe not. Yeah. yeah. I was going to go John John Legend, but I don't know. I'm I'm very yeah. bad at remembering names of songs and musicians. I'm sure to their regret. <laughs> How if I can ask, what, what you know, what is your chewing gum around perfectionism? I mean, how do you learn to be kinder to yourself around that? It's a great question. Um, I think when you hit on some of these things that are your life work, um, <laughs> you, you're chipping away at it, right? So yeah. I, 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 I haven't mastered it. I think it'll be something I always mm. work at. Um, I wish there was an equivalent of a stick of chewing gum that would miraculously <laughs> take it all away, um, yeah. but. You know, I've done a lot of work, so I, I, in trying to figure out what's underneath that. So mm -hmm. for me, it was, you know, I grew up in a family where there wasn't a lot of space for me to get things wrong. There was just a lot happening in my family. Right. And so I felt this pressure. So it's like, you figure out the origin of it mm -hmm. and it's like, ah, okay, well, does that still hold true? Right. right. Is, is everything going to fall? Because what it can result in is this for me, like felt pressure of I've got to get it mm -hmm. all right because the world's going to collapse. Um right. And um, and that's not realistic. So some, sometimes it's doing the work to understand what the driver is, and yeah. then it's figuring out the mechanisms that help release you from it. So mm. um, I have a mantra that I've used. I have sometimes like nerves if I'm getting on stage or things like that, and because I want to get it right. Um, and um, I won't use the full expletive, so you don't have to beat me out during <laughs> this recording. But I say to myself, I say, F it. I'm like, yeah. you know, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen here if you mess yeah. up? And ironically, what that does is it it frees me up because yeah. there is that's what she's describing is this tightness that you feel when you're trying to get it right that actually makes you not be as good because people experience your tightness and and in life everybody wants right. that fluidity, everybody wants that realness, everybody it's inviting to actually have a little bit of messiness. Um, right, right, yeah. So That's I do so a lot of work on it. The yeah. mantras help. Tell yourself F it <laughs> if it works for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, the team I work with here at MBS.Works, one of the phrases we have comes from um, uh, a couple of writers, uh, Roz and Ben Zander, who wrote The Art of Possibility some years ago. Yes. Yeah. And 
his thing is like when when it goes off the rails this is kind of the post thing it's screwing up not the pre thing which is the mantra but the post thing we you go how fascinating you throw your hands up in the air and you go how fascinating and i love that because a it's a physical shift like you literally throw your hands up and that changes your your your, your presence and that changes the way you think but it also puts you into a state of curiosity rather than despair and anxiety and self-loathing where you know where failures can take you you just go oh, that's fascinating it doesn't matter that much this too will pass i wonder what i can learn from that and um you know ainsley and i particularly spend a lot of time going how fascinating <laughs> to each other oh that happened oh how fascinating um and we kind of know what we're doing with each other but it is a it is a comfort to each other as we as we kind of stumble our way forward and try and do it as, as well yeah. as we can and never quite as well as we hope. I absolutely love that. And I do remember, so it's nice to be reacquainted with that concept yeah. because it is an incredibly powerful one. And I think if you stop to step back, it's you're offering to each other familiarity, but you're also offering safety, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You're, you're giving That's signals right. to each other of like, yeah. it's okay. Because when you right. say how fascinating, it says, let's learn. If you, yeah. if you go into the like, oh shit, you might, now you're really going to have to bleep me out of this. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then that triggers in yourself this like protective, yeah. defensive tightening again. So I, I think it's a beautiful example, kind of pulling the thread through our conversation of yeah. how to keep curiosity alive when things aren't going, quote unquote, as well as you right. want them to. Right. Kate, how do you scale that in a large company like? Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook, <laughs> because what we're talking about is uh, psychological safety and mm -hmm. a chance to to move forward with some messiness. And you know, it's hard enough to do that for yourself <laughs> and do the work. Um, to do it in the context of a big organization which has OKRs and KPIs and goals and targets and hierarchies and bosses and subordinates. I'm wondering what you've learned around creating the ability to stay curious and to learn and to stumble at scale? Mm. I, a couple things. Um, you can start by finding people who have that penchant for curiosity. Oh, it sounds like you mean, is it Ainsley? Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the three of us would delight, right? And then you can start to see when, when you have mm. a small group of people all coming with that same mindset of, we are going to be, I think the other thing to understand is like, if you actually want to in innovate, if you want to yeah. do things differently, it won't be clean. Right. It won't be error-free because we're trying to figure out and push the envelope. So if you've got that mindset, then if you've got people who want to learn, learning agility is such a, a gift. And, yeah. and then I do think it's about continually embedding and reinforcing, right? right. So you gave a beautiful example of that where with Ainsley, each of you invites in those critical moments, <laughs> yeah. the how fascinating response. Yeah. And that sets the climate, that sets the norm um, that allows learning. And that doesn't mean ignoring, it doesn't mean not taking accountability, but it does mean committing to right. being open to the learning and growing from it and getting better and better. And so, yes, recognizing the importance of it, hiring people who have that desire, deep desire yeah. to learn, and then in critical moments, making sure you're reinforcing it, I think is a lot of the work. You know, I'm, I'm remembering that, you know, when I'm talking to Ainsley over Zoom, 
she's got a little board behind her with three statements on it. One is how fascinating. Mm-hmm. One is we've already won, which mm-hmm. is a, a, one of our ways of trying to manage risk, which is like recognizing what success actually is and mm-hmm. that things that feel like small failures are actually in the context of a bigger victory that we feel like we've already won at. And the third is bird by bird. <laughs> so it's a perfect kind of connection back back to your book. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. Knowing that you've got a penchant and a passion for learning, what's what's your learning edge at the moment? You know, where are you kind of exploring and growing? Right now, um, I am doing the work to try and figure out my next evolution of myself, which mm. to, to quote Anne Lamott or reference Pratt, probably sounds very Californian. <laughs> Yeah, it does. What I mean by that, yeah, yeah, it sure does. (laughs) I mean, what I mean by that is I mentioned COVID. um, I I, I wouldn't say COVID. I'm I'm using that as shorthand to describe the intensity of what has been the last few years. Um, It it took me offline um, in, in many ways, like in terms of being conscious and touch with myself it challenged me. It prompted a lot of existential questions, um, yeah. which I think are quite common, right? Is right, right. one, am I doing this right? Then what am I doing and why am I doing it? And um, it may also be my age. I'm in my early 40s. Um, and so I don't know if all of those factors coming together, but I, I, my work right now is to, is to I sort of identify, but also let evolve my next version of myself. Mm. And so that's a little bit what I'm just focused on is paying attention, noticing, thinking, envisioning what my next chapter, and this isn't what my next chapter of doing, it's my next next chapter of being. Exactly. So like, what does it look like when I've chipped away 60% at that perfectionism and I'm allowing the messy to be the predominant force? Um, and what will that yield? How do I invite myself into that? So that's uh, that's one edge I'm working for sure. That's a, that's a pretty big edge. I mean, Bob Keegan. Yeah, it's true. I'm like, it feels like a cliff I'm trying to <laughs> yeah, exactly. throw myself off of in the best of ways. Yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 the Bob Keegan and others um, model of adult development is, you know, you move through stages and then you get to the top of a stage and you have to see if you can get to the next stage. And mm-hmm. that... Um, you know, I've, I've been talking about it as, you know, moving through the stages, you plus, as you kind of refine and polish and add and kind of, uh, kind of it's additive to who you already are. But at a certain point, you've got to ask, well, what's, what's me 2.0? <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's when you, it's the difference between downloading an app and getting a new operating system. And at a certain point, yeah. you're like, what's my new operating system now? Um, and it feels that that's the question you're asking yourself, which is wonderful. Yeah. And how do you make that, um, you know, like those apps that are, you, you get the, the massive overhauls, but then you get the 2.1, the 2.23 that fixes this yeah. bug and that bug and so on yeah. and so forth and just make it a perpetual evolution too. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the fun of it for sure. Kate, it's been a wonderful conversation. Um, and we're almost at the top of the hour. I know we've got a, a shorter time than we, we might have chosen. Is there anything that needs to be said that hasn't yet been said in this conversation between you and me? There's just, it, it probably doesn't need to be said, but I'll say it anyway. But I find life to be serendipitous in many ways. So for those 
who are listening, they may not know, but you you will know this, that I was originally going to read something different, which right. is um, Mary Oliver's Devotions, um, which is also a wonderful um, book of poems. But I just take this as this example. So I pivoted last minute. I see so much connection, although I imagine you can connect with probably almost anything your uh, <laughs> your guests bring to the table. But I just find I found a degree of connection around that. Yeah. And I want to I want to offer that, I suppose, just to say, because in 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 an interesting way, I I shifted. I chose something a little messier because I hadn't given it as much thought. Yeah. And goodness came from it, you know, in this <laughs> conversation. So I think it just reinforces why sometimes to to be spontaneous, to choose something different, to not go with the with where your original thinking was, and then see what that offers. Kate saying, "Well, my next chapter is one of being, not doing." It's pretty great, isn't it? But you know, it's interesting to me this progression is always presented as linear doing then being you know david brooks has a book called the second mountain and the two mountains career is the first one which is doing and then legacy which is being and i have to think that those two things are entwined i mean in how to begin the emotional heart of the book is the phrase we unlock our greatness by working on the hard things doing creates being creates doing you know it's all very Frank Sinatra. Doobie, 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 doobie. Bad joke, I know. Look, if you enjoyed this conversation with me and Kate, let me suggest a couple of other interviews centered around curiosity and learning. First, the Law of the Rubber Band with Nathali Bryant. Now, he works as a L&D person at Netflix. And then another episode called How to Practice Understanding with my friend Pame Basse. She's the Chief Learning Officer of Kraft Heinz. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. You know, we've had a bit of a break for the last month or so whilst I've been flapping around with the, the book launch. Um, I'm pretty excited to be back, actually, and um, releasing episodes. I'm very grateful if you suggest this episode to someone because word of mouth is the best way for this podcast to grow. And I'm also grateful if you've taken the time to give the podcast a rating somewhere. That makes the podcast easier to find. It's a small thing, but it actually makes quite a big difference for us. So see you next week. You're awesome and you're doing great.